seems like uh, kind of we stopped where I think the guy named his name was Paul, the guy you met in school and you went to the NA meeting. Yeah. So I kind of really latched on to him, like you said, like a puppy dog, because he seemed to be like my little ray of shining hope to get out of this, you know? Yeah. I, I was with Paul. I was with Paul pretty much 24-7 in the beginning, that first, that first year. Let's put it this way. Paul, see, Paul, the reason why Paul got my attention is Paul claimed that he had been a hitman for the government. He said during the Vietnam War, they needed people to do recognizance, essentially. And this is the way he would explain it to me, is that when they would say a plane would go down, and then they would grab the plane and the parts, they would have access to technology that, that we didn't want them to have. So what, they, what Paul said his mission was in Vietnam when he was in the service was he had to go into the villages to get that stuff back. He said they would send him out to get stuff back. And he talked about, well, obviously, to get some of that stuff back, he would have to kill people. And he said that he found that he was addicted to the killing, the excitement, the, the, the rush of the job, so to speak. You know, because he would talk about, you know, casing the place and waiting until they slept and, you know, creeping in and, you know, and, and he'd talk about the feeling when he slit their throats and just, you know, it'd get very graphic. And I'm like, oh. well, okay, I believe you, you know. All I know is he said that when he came back to the state, they sent him on a few assignments. But he kept using, and he said he realized, that, like I said, that he wasn't going to get clean unless he stopped doing what he was doing. So I don't know. I remember he drove me, seemed like he drove me forever. I think it's down to five. Took me through some mountains. I don't even know. I, don't, I mean, I don't even know where he took me. But um, took me into this meeting, and he said, this is an underground meeting. That's you interesting. Know? So you go to this underground meeting in the in the hills, and you do you recognize anybody there? Is it like a small yeah. room? Is it? Yeah, yeah. I remember. I mean, I remember one guy. I remember seeing him on a boat. I remember another guy from a truck. I remember another guy from a party. I mean, yeah, there were guys that I remember, and I'm like, oh wow, we're all here, you know, trying to get clean and move on. But at the same time. Every one of us knew that somebody wanted us dead. There were a lot of people involved in Iran-Contra. There were pilots. There were boat operators. There were smugglers. There were dealers. I mean, there were a lot of people that were collateral damage. That that if you wanted to get clean, you had the, the problem of they wanted to stick you in a ditch somewhere so that you didn't live to talk about it, right? So how do you how do you move on with that when you're in that situation when most people don't even believe you or think, you know, it sounds fantastic, right? Gotcha. So we found a group of each other that we, we all got each other, you know? If you're like, think about it. I'm trying to get clean. I'm trying to build a new life. But I'm hearing on the news that they're talking about rounding up IV drug users, gays, and prostitutes and taking us off to quarantine for some, on some island somewhere. They were trying to pass a law, yeah, to quarantine the three target main groups for AIDS. Because you have to realize when AIDS started coming out, we didn't know anything about, you know, they just didn't know. They just knew that people like melted and died, okay? So there was all this fear, really palpable fear of this virus, right? And they felt like it was coming from prostitutes, gays, and IV drug users. So all of a sudden this law comes about where they had people going on television from the religious right, okay, talking about how they wanted to quarantine the, these target groups on an island. I yeah. mean, c 
Come on. They're going to take us to quarantine? Where? Come on. You know, what, what is this? And where's this list going to come from of people that are going to this quarantine? So I, I'm scared. I'm scared that somebody's going to come on a van and take me off from where to God knows where, and I'm never going to be heard from again. Okay? So I, I'm asking questions. I'm saying, who's putting this list together? How do I defeat this law? You know, I mean, I'm asking for self-preservation. I want to make sure this, because if this law passes, you know, they're going to come get me and drag me off, right? I've been known prostitute. I was just all over the 11 o'clock news as one. Of course, they're going to come after me, you know? So self-preservation, I got involved with trying to fight this act. And this is where France Union first came into my life. Now, I've always admired her. I don't know if you've seen the Joy Luck Club. She was, a, she was an actress in the Joy Luck Club. She also was on Star Trek. She played the Dilithium uh, Crystal Princess. Um, I would like to see that. You know, she was in South Pacific. If you watch her in I Spy, she would do these things. I used to love to watch her and Diana Riggs in The Avengers. Because to me, I loved seeing women who could kick ass but look feminine. I mean, to me, I didn't want to see a woman look like a man and kick ass on television, right? I mean, I want to see women kick ass. So she's, she's an actress that's, you know, been in the movies for a long time. Somebody had said to me, well, you know, France is a therapist at the jail, and she specializes in prostitutes. And I'm like, what? You know, like, wait a minute. This is an actress. What are you talking about? Of course, I'm dying to meet her, right? You know, I'd love to meet her. So that's actually how her and I first met is somebody had introduced me to her. And I said, are you really a therapist? And she showed me her degrees and stuff. She used to go in and she would donate therapy uh, to these prostitutes and civil brand. And then when I heard that she was on board with fighting this law, you damn right I'm going to latch onto her and get on television. You know, so her and I used to do a lot of news back then to try to fight that law. And it must have worked because the law didn't pass. When you say right? when you say news, what what kind of news are we talking? Um, local news. Whatever. We went on all the local news channels talking about how this was a bad law. You know, trying to get people to make sure they didn't support it. So and no... because of her notoriety, we were able to get on the news to begin with. We were able to get on the news to combat this law through France. France, because she's a therapist, right? So she's in like these therapy circles. She says to me, you know, she says there's this guy that says he's developed this really innovative new technique to reintegrate personalities. She said, but he needs a guinea pig to demonstrate his method on for his students. She said, if you'd be willing to be that guinea pig, maybe it'll work, right? So I was like, well, shit, I'll try anything. Went and talked to him. He tells me he does neurolinguistic programming. I went, oh, well, hell, sign me up. You know, and, you know, there's actually a lot of material in neurolinguistic programming about split personalities and reintegration and yada, yada. So um, I was like, that's it? You just want me to be a guinea pig? He goes, yep. And so I agreed to do it, you know, and I got to sit up in front of his class and he reintegrated my personality. And I have been the same person ever since. What exactly did he do? If you remember. Well, in... As the process, what he had me do was he had me visualize, um, I don't know how to explain, explain it. I don't remember the terms. I've, I've forgotten all the terms. But there's a term 
where you visualize the personality or the problem and you put it in your hand. So I have this representation and I'm actually seeing like a living person in this hand. I'm seeing her moving around and talking to me, right? And then he started negotiations with her. And it was it was fascinating to me because he asked Renee, well that's sure she called herself Renee. Anyway, so he asked Renee, what is it you want? And Renee said, I want to kill Jody. And you know, of course, he's explaining, well, you understand if you kill Jody, you kill yourself. I don't care. I want to kill Jody. That was her her goal. So he goes, well, what do we have to do to get you to agree to ceasefire, you know? And, I mean, it was a series of negotiations with this person. Now, did you feel, you like, know? possessed? Like, what, what exactly... You know I mean, you know, there are many theories. There are many theories on that, and I wonder myself. Hmm. I do because you know, I mean, I still wonder myself if her if her goal was to kill me. How could that be part of me? I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, but 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 what he had to do was, and she didn't look like me, you know, and she did not like Jody, and she wanted her dead. So I mean, and it was it took about five hours. It took five hours for him to find some way to get her to agree to ceasefire, you know? And the things that were coming out of her mouth, I was not making these things up. These were, like, new to me. I'm going, wow, you know? I mean, but, 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 I mean, there are some people that say that was another part of my personality. I mean, I do, like I said, the more that I've, I've come to understand about things like demonic possession, could have been. I mean, maybe it was another personality that I created to defend. He you, okay. you sat down. He says, what does he say? Does he get into, like, that hypnosis state? Is it one of those, like, okay, you know, breathe? Well, NLP is more like conscious hypnosis. You are conscious. You are awake. You're not in some altered reality. Okay. But it's just a way of talking. And he basically, you know, started out with, you know, I want you to visualize her, you know, in your hand, put her in your hand as a, as a representation so that we can talk to her. She had a mind of her own, let me tell you, you know. But I'm saying this, you're conscious though, so you're saying you're yes. physically talking, but you know yes. that you you're just letting it go. You're just I'm being part of the pro well, I know enough about NLP to know that there there are ways to do this in your mind. Yeah. Okay, like an NLP, here's what they'll do. An NLP, like an example of you communicate with your subconscious mind. One of the exercises they'll have you do is they'll have you say talk to your finger. You know, just to make a physical outside representation of your subconscious mind. So when he's telling me, you know, let's talk to her, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, let's have a representation of her so we can talk to her and not have her buried in the subconscious mind. That's something I can't see or feel. Let's let's make a representation of, we, of what we can talk to her. So he you says know? to you, um, you know, visualize the uh, the other split personality basically or whatever you want to call it yeah and, he and, said visualize this renee and, and then when, hope when, she was there when he said you know what 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 does renee want you're not speaking for her you're not going Whoa, no. and then re relaying no. the message the message is physically coming out of your mouth it's coming out of her mouth yeah but that's what shocked me <laughs> yeah but what i'm saying is you're not visualizing something and then relaying the message to him it's no. just coming out of your physical body, no matter who's in control of it or whatever you want to say, but your mouth and voice is talking in first person rather than you relaying the message as if you saw it. You know what I'm saying? 
Well, you're making it sound like it came out of my head, but it didn't. It came out of her mouth. No, That's not, what was shocking. I to get me. that, but I'm just tr I'm just trying to see the like if I was. There was no relay point. In yeah, other yeah, words, I okay. was I hearing it and her saying it? No. Got you. Okay. So when that was happening, because this is what my next question, I needed to know that. So you're in your head because you're you're not speaking. Obviously, you're letting her right. speak at the time, but you're just witnessing is this out of body or are you still in your eyes in your mouth just almost in no, a possession I'm, state i'm awake i'm in my body and i'm hearing it and i'm hearing it for the first time come out of her mouth so i was just as shocked as the therapist was so this is i, I want to go back it just sounds like possession then and in a way i mean i agree okay. i agree there's right. a part of me that i don't know if it was possession or i don't know split personality i mean it's like you said you have you're you're not in control but it's within your own body. So it could, I mean, everyone might have a fucking dark, you know, side to them that, you know, if you really want to tap into it, it could get weird. I don't know. I'm not, I have no idea. The whole time this is going on, I'm going, I don't fucking know, you know, but, you know, so what was it? I don't know. But all we know is that this guy, you know, and, and his students got a real show that afternoon. I'll tell you, he had about 10 people there watching this and he finally got her to basically agree that you know that was the foul you know sort of the the weakness in her in her theory was that if she killed me off there'd be nothing left for her to work with so what was the point you know and so she finally basically agreed to go away yeah, all right we can move on I just, that's just stuff interests me and i like getting it clear because i know people are gonna be like oh, blah, 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 blah. so you know you got to get every detail well you get an idea why i'm obviously so fascinated with neurolinguistic programming of course I mean, I see people all the time on television. I read about books about people with 20 personalities, 30 personalities, and how their whole lives are dominated by this and ruined by this. And, you know, I got integrated. It went away or whatever. Anyway, but Francis introduced me to this guy who said, I can help you. I signed up. I let him do it. And Rene was gone. When I started, it was right about when I took my year it's funny i have a picture actually that i'm gonna try to dig up of my first year clean where france nguyen gave me my cake i actually have a picture of her giving me because i asked her if she'd give me my year cake because paul was in the hospital then um i you know paul was really waiting me through that year but then he died off like i said about the 13th month and they said that he had damaged his heart so badly from all the years of drug abuse i thought it was damn ironic you think about it, you know, you go through hell to get clean. I mean, he really cleaned his life up and boom, he starts having heart attacks because of the damage they said he did to his heart. But but he was basically, and he was obviously very fond of me to spend that much time with me. Definitely. You know, and I even asked him that once too. I go, yeah, but why are you spending all this time with me? And he told me that he felt that it was his amends. He said that he had contributed to the death of a lot of prostitutes over in Vietnam. And he said that he felt kind of guilty about that. And he said that he was looking at me as his amends to all the prostitutes that he had hurt. Mm. You know, it was his way of making amends. So, I mean, he, he really got me through that. That first year was tough. And I do think that I think I probably contributed to his death because can you imagine handling me in the first year? Yeah, but he, I mean, it was very stressful. Think about everything else that guy has going through his mind. I mean, that guy seemed like he had a lot going on. Uh, it was it was really horrible because in the hospital, the doctors had to explain that they had to give him morphine to stop his heart. He had something like 15 heart attacks in a row, 
and they had to give him morphine. They said it was the only way to stop it. it and, and I remember sitting with him in the hospital bed just holding him because I'm like, you know, you're trying to get your life clean, and then the doctors tell you they got to give you morphine to keep you alive? Oh, my God. And, and evidently how he died, they said that um, his heart basically just exploded at one point. That's how he died. Like, I had 13 months clean when he died. They said they found him with his, they said it just exploded. I just couldn't take it anymore, you know. Okay, so I got a note here since we're in this spiritual thing. I don't want to jump out of our, it's a good segue, as they call it. Um, <clears throat> it says, you saw God in 86? Or, I mean, these are After that, after that, not like right away, no, but that was after that. I, that was, okay. I got to give you some lead up to this. What I kept hearing in the room of NA was that until I had a spiritual awakening, I was not in, I was not going to stay clean. Um, I mean, I don't know. It just hit me one night. Literally just, I get into the bathtub one night and just boom, you know, it was just like, it just hit me, you know, the white light, the voice of God, you know, and I'm hearing start this program. Because, I mean, I had no interest in starting my own 12-step program. I'm not, I'm not that kind of, I'm, not, not my idea of fun. Hold on. You know? Let me get that story because I feel like it's pivotal here. One night you come home. Now, are you, are you, you're clean right now. You said you're two years clean or something like that? I was two years clean. I was working as a paralegal. So then you come home. You, it's a long day. You take a, you're taking a bath. You, are you in the mm-hmm. bath? Yeah, I was in the bathtub when it hit. And you just like what? Ha- you're just zoning out, and it's just like something. You know, I'm mean, just give me detail. On that. Well, what hit me was like it was like this. It just everything turned white. I mean, I'm in the bathtub. You'd think I'd see the bathtub, but no. What I'm seeing is nothing but white. It was just nothing but white. You know, so I knew something was happening, and then I heard a voice say to me about starting, you know, my own program, starting a 12-step program for prostitutes. So I'm like, it, it, it didn't last long. It was just like, you know, something to the effect of start a 12-step program for prostitutes. Were you scared? I'm like, yeah, shit, yeah. I didn't know if I was having, am I having some kind of weird trauma, you know? And um, I called Franz up and saying, am I hallucinating? I mean, am I tripping? I mean, and what the general consensus was that if I was hallucinating, or having a flashback or, you know, some kind of natural phenomenon, then I would just go on business as usual. She said, look, she said, if God really told you to do this, then it will happen. It will produce fruit. Things will start coming together. I mean, if God's really sent you on a mission, then something will happen. She said, if you're delusional and you're just tripping and, you know, hallucinating, then you're just going to spin your wheels and not go anywhere. So how? Long- so basically she said, go out there and see what happens, you know? And this is Prostitutes Anonymous? Yeah, we started out as, and the the logic was, I was getting really angry, and I mean really fucking pissed off and angry, that I had to go to jail. I had to go through all this shit, but I'm seeing addicts go through drug court. That's what pissed me off, is that why do addicts get drug court, but but prostitutes got to go through jail? Well, the answer I got back, of course, was, well, there's an NA program. Prostitutes don't have a program. If prostitutes had a program, we'd send them there. So I was like, really? If we had a program, you'd send them there, right? Well, of course, we don't want to send them to jail. I said, okay, you got a program. 
you know, and, and obviously it's a prostitution charge. So we figured I started calling it Prostitutes Anonymous so that those who were arrested on prostitution charges could come to the meetings instead of going to jail. So I asked France, I said, would you do public service announcements then for this? And she said, sure. What? I mean, that really was like, you're kidding me, right? She goes, no, no problem. So France went down to the studio and made some public service announcements for our hotline. Sponsor told me that um, she knew a lot of prostitutes in this program called Tarzana Treatment Center. And so I called up Tarzana Treatment Center and I said, you know, I'd like to bring in a meeting for prostitutes. Are you game? And they said, oh, hell yeah. And I said, can you put out an announcement to your clients, you know, that I'm holding this meeting? They said, sure. And we had 30 people at our first meeting, you know. And do you remember that meeting? You said there's 30 people there? Mm-hmm. What what exactly? Yeah. Did, I mean, you're probably working out the kinks your first meeting. I mean, you've been to a lot of meetings, so it's probably I don't know how it goes. What do you do? You all sit in a circle. And... I had no idea what I was doing. Like I said, I just thought, okay, God tells me to do this. I'm just going to do the best I can, you know. And yeah, I just. How did it go? I mean, who were the people there? Did you recognize anybody? I mean, I'm just, I find it interesting. Um no no they were just people that were in the Tarzana program. I had a couple of escorts that were working, high-level escorts that came that had heard about it, and another madam. And uh, and it was so bizarre, if you can imagine, because one of the women drove a Ferrari up to the meeting, and then Sherry coming in, who's making like a million, million a year. And here these street prostitutes are, which, of course, it was a war. I mean, they just split off into the... It was cats and dogs. The streetwalkers feel like the escorts had an attitude, like a better than, I'm better than you attitude. They felt like uh, they were hoity-toity kind of a thing. Gotcha. Uh, and the escorts felt like that they were better than the streetwalkers. They felt like the streetwalkers were scum, trash, ignorant assholes, you know? <laughs> I mean, they're just, you know, just, you know, just difference of opinion, I guess. All right, yeah, we can go on. So I, just, I, just I had to figure out some way to get them to get along, and I couldn't. So I came up with, I just figured, you know what, I'll just have a separate meeting. There you go. So actually, we divided pretty quick. I had the one, I had one meeting where we had the street-level prostitutes on there, and then I had the other meeting with the escorts. So we, we separated them. Well, and then the, the work with the prostitutes had started becoming more time-consuming because, again, of AIDS. you got to realize that AIDS by 86, AIDS was raging. I mean, it was like people were dropping around me like flies. I was going to a funeral every weekend that somebody was dying. It, it, it was bad. And all the girls that I remember from the business had died. I, I mean, I was nursing some of them. That second year was rough because I was nursing a lot of women through hospice as they died. So I think that's one thing that kept me straight. I was seeing so many women dying that that I'd known from prostitution by that second year that there's just no way. There's no way I'd go back. When you had it, you were dead in a year. Women would just melt. Okay, so Prostitutes Anonymous starts taking off is what I'm getting at here. You mm-hmm. you, you start doing well. The meetings will become more frequent, more people kind of thing. Well, first people. I had a meeting to see if the meeting would even work. Yeah. On 87? Our first meeting was August 15, 1987. And all of a sudden, I had like five meetings a week. I had the one meeting in West Hollywood for the men. I had the streetwalkers in Tarzana. I had the escorts in Beverly Hills. 
and the black girls wanted their meeting in Long Beach, you know. So, I mean, we had like, you know, all of a sudden five meetings sprout out at, at one time. It, and Fox came to me and said, the government has issued this grant alert. They're giving out um, a $500,000 grant to anybody that can put together a model program to work with prostitutes. She showed me the, the grant announcement. And she said, you're the only one working with prostitutes in the system now. She said, you're a shoo-in. You could, you could absolutely get this grant and start this program. And, and I go, I don't know anything about government grants. And she goes, she says, you're a paralegal. She says, you can figure it out. Flashes of thunder. 